the witch hunt continues, but they're getting hit hard on this witch hunt because when they look at the information, it's a joke. Impeachment for that? When you have a wonderful meeting or you have a wonderful phone conversation? I think you should ask. We actually, you know, that was the second conversation. I think you should ask for the first conversation also. I can't believe they haven't. Although I heard there's a, there's a rumor out they want the first conversation. It was beautiful. It was just a perfect conversation. But I think you should do that. I think you should do. And I think you should ask for VP Pence's conversation because he had a couple of conversations also. I could save you a lot of time. They were all perfect. Nothing was mentioned of any import other than congratulations. But the word is that they're going to ask for the first phone conversation. Uh, you can have it anytime you need it. And also Mike Pence's conversations, which were, I think, one or two of them. They were perfect. They were all perfect. They were all perfect. They were all perfect. Perfect. Hello. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host for today, Robbie Martin. Today on Media Roots Radio, we have a very special guest, Pierce Redmond of Porkins Policy Radio. Pierce is one of my favorite guests that we've had on Media Roots Radio. We've had him on quite a few times before. Today, I wanted to have Pierce on to discuss this surprise announcement by Nancy Pelosi to open an impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump. So let's just get right into it. Yeah, um, so thanks for coming on the show again, Pierce. You've been on the show a few times before. You've been having me on your show, Porkins Policy Radio, to talk about the current state of the conspiracy movement and QAnon. So I thought I would, uh, you know, to some degree, return the favor. I can't promise to bring you on every month because <laughs> we don't do <laughs> we don't do uh, shows as often as, as you do or not as consistently, at least. Um, but I wanted to bring you on again and uh, and just discuss basically the the most pressing current events that are happening. We already covered to a large degree Saudi Arabia and the whole Iran thing. Um, we covered the sort of Trump's relationship with the conspiracy movement, QAnon. But what we didn't get a chance to cover, which kind of, at least for me, kind of came by surprise, is this idea that there, there seems to be a legit building um, and a, a kind of shocking impeachment proceedings that seem to be starting against Trump or that, seem to, that could be starting up here uh, really soon. So... I guess I just wanted to get your initial reaction to that, and then we could just sort of go from there and discuss that, because I think I haven't really had a chance to talk to anybody about that yet, and I feel like a lot of our listeners, you know, probably want to hear our opinions on on the idea of impeaching Trump, and especially for something like this. So, I don't know, what is, what is your impression of what's going on right now? Oh, well, uh, first, I just want to thank you for having me on again, Robbie. It's always a, a pleasure and an honor to be on Media Roots, and... Um, I, I guess the I was sort of caught off guard as well. Uh, I mean, we were talking. You were on my show uh, on Tuesday, yesterday, uh, and we we were sort of uh, we very briefly touched on this uh, impeachment stuff. And then, like I don't know, maybe it was two or three hours after we stopped recording, um, Nancy Pelosi uh, announced that they would be uh, going forward with the the proceedings. And uh, you and I were you were texting me last night about, uh, you know, interesting that um, 
you know, Q isn't isn't is stop posting just as this uh, impeachment stuff is happening. I mean, this was a few months ago, but it's interesting all the same. Um, uh, well, I I guess I'm uh, I'm a little surprised. I didn't think that we would uh, actually go this far. I'm not sure exactly of the wisdom behind why they uh, and they being the Democrats would go forward with. Uh, impeachment proceedings with the election, the presidential election. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, it seems like that will uh, just sort of take all of the air out of the room. Uh, I mean, of of all the candidates running, I think, uh, you know, this is um, unfortunately now for the Democrats running, there really will be nothing, uh, you know, nothing that they say will really matter when in Washington, they could be subpoena uh, for various officials. They could be trying to find this uh, supposed whistleblower uh, who I guess was uh, first, you know, alerted um, the Washington Post and, and others about uh, this this conversation between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. I don't really. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems sort of like um, self-sabotage. I, I, you know, part of me had this, you know, very cynical uh, view that that I mean, perhaps, maybe this is like always the 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 kind of the uh, the inevitable outcome. I don't know, or that that the Democrats, I don't know, are are part of some sort of you know larger cabal uh, that wants to just see Trump continued, you know, elected again. Because I don't understand why, especially when uh, you have. Candidates like Elizabeth Warren seems to be kind of picking up steam. She's not necessarily my cup of tea, although I do think that she stands a better chance of uh, unseating Trump. So just from a purely— You mean than Biden? Oh, yes, certainly than Biden. (laughs) Actually, yeah, I I think uh, that—I think—I mean, this is, again, what's so fascinating about how politics seems to— it seems to be happening right now in Washington. You've got both sides kind of shooting themselves in the foot because Pelosi launching at least the preliminary steps towards impeachment, as, as I said, will dominate any and all news. So the Democrats that are running, uh, it doesn't matter what radical policies that uh, Bernie or Warren or any of these people will come up with because the media is all going to be concerned with Who's testifying before Congress? What's going on? Uh, Trump will have a, a wonderful time, you know, calling into Fox and Friends, talking about a witch hunt. But at the same time, I think that uh, you know Trump has also sort of shot himself in the foot by going after Biden, because I think that Biden is a, a perfect candidate to run against Trump, uh, because it, Biden really has nothing. Um, there's no policies that are you know coming out of him. Uh, he basically is just regurgitating. Uh, things that that happened under Obama, uh, so, so not even things that that Biden necessarily had a hand in, and uh, other than that, I mean, he's just full of uh, gaffes. I mean, political gaffes. He says these bizarre things in press conferences. There's the whole, um, you know, when he confronted uh, Corn Puff, some <laughs> supposed person so at a bizarre. pool. Yeah, a lot of weird racist kind of like weird breadcrumbs. I mean, like there's the way he even talked about that. I mean, I I don't even I I don't know if he's I mean actually racist, but 
or just extremely tone deaf, but it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. I think he kind of fits into that category of, uh, growing up amongst casual racism. Yeah. Especially for someone that, um, is, is, is long worked in politics in Washington. Also, like, I know that Delaware has this like sort of, uh, like benign reputation or something, but, um, it, it is a uh, race relations in Delaware are not great at all. Um, there is like a small minority of, uh, you know, a small black population within Delaware, which I think has always sort of been treated horribly. And uh, Delaware, it's just it's one of those states where you, you sort of forget. It's like you you always like go through it on your way to somewhere else. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, you, I think people forget uh, about this sort of like just sort of everyday racism uh, that exists. So I, I think that he kind of grew up in this generation of casual racism. And he, but he is sort of one of those people that wouldn't he doesn't see it as really being racist. Um, I think he's just like you said, he's so tone deaf um, and that he probably is a racist, but he would I, I don't I think that Joe Biden himself truly believes that he is not a racist. Um, and that's why he he continue uh, continues to put his foot in his mouth. Every time he says something stupid, like the corn puff thing or, or you know, all, all this other, whatever it is. Um, so he doesn't really think he's a racist, which is always like, those are sometimes the most dangerous people because they will say and do things that are so, you know, racially tinged and, and then sort of get upset when you, you call them out. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's actually very similar to his his weird way of touching people, women. Yes. Uh, like where right. he dub- basically doubled down and he even made, he, he made it like a cracked a joke with some child that he brought out on stage after that whole scandal erupted and said like, I, I, just so the audience knows, I had permission to touch him. Like to like a 10 year old boy. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> just TV let it, just, just don't talk about it. Like it's, yeah, it just, I, I mean, it reflects a level of being tone deaf, but I was talking to my wife, Lori, last night about this, just his personality. And she brought up a good point where there's there's a there's a type of person who's so tone deaf that they're like a bull in a china shop. But there's also someone who puts on this facade of just not giving a fuck, almost like as a power play maneuver. And I mm. sometimes I wonder if Joe Biden's personality has that inside of him. Where there, I don't know if you saw this moment, Pierce, where at the last or not the last debate, but the one previous to that, a reporter tried to come up and interview Joe Biden on stage and he wouldn't stand still for the reporter. He just kept like walking away from the reporter yeah. and the reporter had to like follow him around with the microphone. It was extremely bizarre and awkward. And then when Joe Biden finally decided to talk to the reporter, he practically shoved his finger like in his chest, like almost like touching him. And I was thinking... Is this tone deaf or is he just like putting this facade on purposely like I want to put on this facade of like I don't give a fuck and like this is my power play. Like I don't know. It's a strange thing. But I think that in politics, you know, perhaps that's actually very helpful for some people. I can't, you know, besides being a CEO of a company or something, I can't think of another job where that would be a helpful trait. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it, it has succeeded for Biden. He's certainly made a career out of you know wagging his finger at people and um, and touching uh, women and children and you know <laughs> uh, various other people, and also with being casually racist. Um, so I think it has it has worked for him. I think that's um, 
you know, really good politicians, I, I think even more than like celebrities or, uh, you know, like pop stars or something, they really embody this like, you know, like a, a person that really doesn't exist anywhere outside of politics. Like you, you look at, um, I don't know, people like, uh, um, uh, what's it like Harry Reid or even Nancy Pelosi. I mean, these people yeah. are like, they, they're not real people anymore. Yeah. They, they sort of transcended all that even more than celebrity, you know, uh, celebrities or pop stars or musicians or anything like that. I mean, you really, te- I tend to believe that like, the, the way that like Chuck Schumer acts in public is the way he acts at home, the way he acts when no one is around. Like they are these sort of like caricatures, yeah. uh, the, the, you know, these like clown, clown like people <laughs> is like puppets. And uh, I think that's just sort of like that's Joe Biden's thing. That's his persona. And he w- w- will just sort of embrace that as much as possible. Uh, and he can't really like it's I, I think it's. It's more and more difficult lately, especially uh, for politicians to kind of like redefine themselves. I think there used to be like an element of that where you could kind of, um, you know, like you could come out in favor of one thing and then, uh, you know, flip flop uh, to another thing. But nowadays it's like I don't, there's all this like talk about like integrity and stuff. And, you know, it's like if if um if AOC suddenly, um, you know, decided to be like an oil lobbyist, like that's it, like th- th- she's done, you know, or, or or to soften any sort of position, she would be done electorally speaking. Um, she would no longer have, you know. So I think people are, are they really embrace their caricatures so much so that, that that's like Biden's whole thing. At the same time, though, I, I think that that the particular caricature that Joe Biden uh, embodies may not quite have a place in the politics of today. Uh, you know, that's a like, nice way of again, saying it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just, you know, he comes off as a, you know, chauvinist, uh, white old guy, um, who's sort of completely out of touch with almost anyone in society. Uh, you, you know, he, he's creepy. Um, there, there are these moments where, uh, I mean, he's just as bad as Trump with these like, are you does he actually have dementia? You know, yeah. like like the whole like I, I genuinely think that Joe Biden is losing it somewhat, like to the extent that he really thinks he wa- he marched with Martin Luther King. I don't think that that's just like him saying it because like it, it sounds good. I think he genuinely now believes that he did it. Um, so, you know, there's like questions of, of like his mental capacity. But beyond that, that that persona or caricature that he has uh embraced it it just doesn't uh it, it, i don't think it works anymore because you you look at people like uh ocasio cortez ilhan omar um you know those are like the two big ones but there are other ones even like you know bernie or or, or elizabeth warren uh, that's a you know i think that they're more kind of in touch with what's going on and you know biden looks um very similar to trump in his behavior and in the way that he, um, you know, uh, thinks he can he can be a politician. Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's something interesting about this idea that Trump, let's just assume that this, the nature of the, what's been reported on the scandal is true, that Trump actually did want to have the Ukrainian government open up an investigation on Joe Biden's son to try to tarnish him in the, in the upcoming election. It's interesting that Trump if that's true, that Trump would see Biden as a threat 
And I'm wondering if it's because of the polling, you know, because Trump is so obsessed with polling, it seems to affect his mood on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, he gets actually upset when there any polls show that he's not, you know, winning in the general election. But I wonder if what you hit on right now is actually more, it, it has more to do with it, that there is a weird similarity between the way the two men behave personality wise that maybe Trump sees something in Biden where he is sort of this macho I don't know macho is the right word but this bullish not giving a shit kind of a personality that is maybe almost a little bit threatening to Trump on some level because all these gaffes you know as gaffy as they are and obviously I would refer to them as gaffes too but there, but you could look at it from another angle where it's like there is a level of just not giving a shit that is almost like sort of, you know, maybe even empowering Biden to some degree. <laughs> I know that's strange to say because each time he gaffs, the press reacts to it negatively. But at the same time, there is some value in just powering forward and not giving a fuck, you know, kind of Trump-like. Yeah. In a way. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think that that's a, a very accurate assessment. Just look at the I, I, Biden could theoretically appeal to a lot of the uh, working class uh, blue collar Democrats that Trump was able to sway the last time around. Now, now, perhaps Trump is nervous at the fact that, the, you know, the economy is not doing all that well for those people, as he promised. Uh, perhaps he is nervous that Biden could bring those people back into the fold. In the same way that Biden, um, I think, is palatable enough to the Democratic establishment, as much as they, I think, they they have issues with him, uh, he he's fine. You know, he will bring, uh, you know, the, the the kind of like boomer generation will eventually they will kind of get in line and vote for Biden. He can also pull those like working class voters. And I think that Biden might even be able to kind of pull some of the, you know, more conservative elements as well. Again, the, the casual racism of Biden uh, is 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 not that dissimilar to Trump's casual racism. I think that appeals to a lot of people. Um, also, it's like at the end of the day, if, even for the people that, that kind of despise the Democrats, who would they rather um, see if if Trump is going to win? Uh, uh, you know, like Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden? I think they're probably more comfortable with Joe Biden. He's of a man's course. man, whatever. You know, he's just another old white fart. So yeah. why not go with that? So uh, perhaps Trump is uh, genuinely worried. I think also there's an element of um, there's there's some. Uh, and that's what I find interesting, though, is that that by going after Biden or or going after his son Hunter, uh, let's say that that this all goes uh, Trump's way and Biden gets bumped, at, you know, out of the race or has to drop. I think Trump actually has a much more difficult time going after Elizabeth Warren or or Bernie Sanders if if he were to make it. They they actually have policies. Yeah, I think Warren more so. I mean, he's definitely threatened to some degree by Warren, you know, and that's why he's gone really low with her, you know, calling her Pocahontas. But that, but I mean, she, I think she definitely has a, she's more handicapped for sure than Bernie. I mean, because, I mean, like just being a career Republican, I think she said something, it it, it was like something until like 1997, she was a Republican, very like late in her life. So I could see Trump using other things 
um, as well against her. But let's go back to the this whole impeachment scenario um, again, because I think, you know, there's something interesting here where you could almost maybe say maybe Trump was actually just trying to get as many people from the Obama administration in trouble. You know, I mean, like the lock her up Hillary chant never materialized into anything. Um, QAnon's been saying this whole time that Obama and everybody from the Obama administration are going to be sent to Gitmo. You know, they're part of this deep state coup or whatever. So there is, you know, again, this is some weird crossover between what Trump wants to do and what QAnon is talking about. And I'm just wondering if this is like sort of a desperate attempt where Trump maybe finally believes he found something. And I don't know if you read this part of the transcript, Pierce. It's really odd, actually. Half of the, the, the transcript that the White House released, it wasn't an actual transcript. It was like a quasi-transcript. They even explain in it saying this is like a recollection of the people in the room of what was said on the phone right, call. Right, right. And in it, Trump seems to spend half of the time talking about how he wants the Ukrainian president to track down the DNC server, which is kind of odd. I, I, as this is the first time I'm hearing anything about uh, the DNC servers being in Ukraine. What do you, what are your, was your take on that? I, I didn't, I didn't see <laughs> that, but um, I don't really know what to make of that. I, I mean, unless that, uh, uh, I mean, obviously Trump believes this to be true uh, or, or um, he, he thinks, I, I have no idea that to me either is Trump, um, you know, like, glancing through some intelligence <laughs> reports or something and, and sort of like piecing it together and thinking like, oh, you know, like I could see him, uh, you know, getting briefed, like maybe even when he got into the White House or something and getting briefed on the situation in Ukraine. And and, and obviously, you know, the, the CIA briefer that's going to be talking about that is going to be referencing Obama and Biden and, and, you know, Victoria Newland and Hillary Clinton and others. And maybe, you know, I don't know, I could see him weaving some story in his head uh that that that's where they would hide the servers or something or someone has put him up to this someone has convinced him that that th th these dnc servers are in ukraine yeah, um, i want to i'm curious where that even comes from because i you know i feel like i feel the follow the russiagate stuff pretty closely and i know most of the details you know not all of them but i I feel like I've heard of most of the facets of it. So this is the first time I've ever heard of this. And I was just I was just kind of like, what? You know, what does that what does that even mean? That they right. have like a copy of the server, some are secretly hidden in Ukraine, that Democrats are hiding it? Like what is he talking about? So maybe there's someone out there who's listening who has a clue what the hell he's referring to. Um because even just on a technical level, I don't it doesn't make sense to me. Why would they send the server there? You can just make a copy of a computer. You know, I mean, so I, I, it's it's odd. Um, yeah, and, well, and it, it's also odd that this isn't an actual transcript either. That's like he promised. Well, that's odd too. And you know, I know how you you and Tom and other people felt about Edward Snowden, and my thinking, you know, has come around, I guess, more to your previous thinking on it. Where you know, I am skeptical of the idea of a whistleblower coming out and trying to create a scandal over Ukraine and election meddling involving Trump. Just that on paper smells funny to me. And I'm not saying, you know, he's some kind of deep state player like the Trump administration is trying to accuse him of being, but it's still odd. I mean, are we really going to go through this again when the last attempt to quasi-impeach Trump was about election meddling and Russia? 
and had some little bit of Ukraine sprinkled in there. I mean, I guess the main difference now, Pierce, is that he is actually president while he's trying to do something that could be allegedly criminal. That like, And that's something I'm also unclear on. What was criminal about this? Maybe, I don't know, maybe, what are your thoughts on what I just said? Well, the first thing is, and I think you're right to, point, to be uh, suspicious of this whistleblower. I, I think that if the, the fact that the mainstream media is calling this person a whistleblower, the fact that the Democrats are calling this person a whistleblower, and that it's a whistleblower that the media and the Democrats are, are fine with Embraced is extremely him. suspect. Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's the, that's the key point. I think that's not being talked about. It's like, why is this being so openly embraced? But sorry, continue. Well, exactly. Yeah. Why is this being so openly embraced when uh, right now reality winner is rotting in prison for for basically, you know, um, doing a, a similar thing? You know, I mean, like. Uh, blowing the whistle or, or revealing information yeah. on what probably was, to some extent, meddling by Russians in the election. I mean, like, that's, a, you know, and I don't know that it's quite on the level that maybe Winner thought it was or that other people have have said that it was. But certainly, you know, what did what did she release? Information that seemed to suggest that there was, in fact, some level of Russian interference in the 2016 election. And Democrats and Republicans alike condemned her for it. Uh, you know, there's no Democrats like go helping her out, even though that that fulfills their own Russiagate narrative. Well, that's the saddest part about it. And like, even though I do think what she leaked isn't going to change the narrative at all, you know, the actual documents barely shed any light on what the actual overall scandal was. But mm. The fact that it's really sad that basically I feel like she was almost put up to it, not saying the Democrats told her to do that, but essentially they influenced her too. And not just the Democrats, but the media. They created a climate of hysteria to such a degree where she was willing to risk her life to leak this document, clearly influenced by that climate. And then they just abandoned her. I mean, it's almost kind of like a sacrificial lamb for their propaganda and their hysteria, which is awfully sad because now, you know, this guy is being completely embraced. He's being offered all these protections. So what, yeah, what happened to her, you know, support from the media? Um, she's, she's virtually ignored now. And that's, oh, that yeah. is strange. Oh, uh, totally. She's ignored. I mean, we, we, we don't have time to necessarily get into it now, but uh, you can look at The Intercept, which seems to have actually played an active role in getting her arrested. Yeah. Um, and that would be, you know, like the she was the first in like a line of uh, whistleblowers that went to The Intercept and all ended up in jail. So, you know, like, again, the, the, the sort of media conspiracy there um, is certainly something that should be explored. But, yeah, the like what, what we were saying, I mean, what is different from what Reality Winner is doing? The fact that this alleged whistleblower, we don't know if it's a man, a woman, we don't know what uh, branch of intelligence they were working in, uh, we don't really know anything, is being, you know, given the, the red carpet treatment by the media and by the Democrats is extremely tough. I mean, that just means they're not an actual whistleblower because yeah. any real whistleblower ends up in jail. Exactly. Uh, you know? And there's kind of a so, deep throat feel to it where it seems like they're trying to build up this mystery, this sort of suspense about it. Mm like a rollout in the media. And this is something I also want you to comment on. 
the surprising nature of Nancy Pelosi coming out, basically announcing impeachment proceedings, like putting the official stamp on it, you know, based on what we know that they have, it doesn't seem like it's a super, super strong slam dunk case. So I don't know. What do you think about the idea that they're they're purposely rolling something out here, almost like a surprise attack, like they might be building the suspense of sort of creating a PR campaign for this supposed alleged whistleblower? Because maybe they have something, you know, really like a smoking gun, for example. Mm. I mean, I, what do you think about the level of confidence on display by the Democrats right now? That's sort of new. Yeah, which could suggest that, in fact, they do have something. Um, I, yeah. You know, I mean, if not, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is really gambling her political career and, and, and her legacy on this. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not a fan of... of Nancy Pelosi, but I mean, you have to respect her uh, political skills. You know, I mean, she is a. Uh, I mean, just look, she's not like, a total I, idiot. I, no, no, exactly. She's not a total idiot. No, no. I mean, she's been around forever and seems to may, might continue. Um, you know, nothing seems to be kind of uh, in her way. I mean, she's a very savvy political player. So to to put her faith in some anonymous whistleblower who is probably some, you know spook who who has a, a you know uh, an axe to grind or is playing a role um within the intelligence community to possibly put pressure on donald trump that is interesting that might suggest that she does believe that 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 there's something to this or or perhaps that like you said robbie that there might be something behind it i i think we should always um when uh, you know when the, the sort of political you know pissing contest gets to that level a lot of time, you know, what is being presented is not is is not what's actually there, yeah. um, you know, and that, that these are messages and stuff. I mean, I, you know, I, I always try. I, I've been telling myself not to mention uh, Jeffrey Epstein, but I'll just throw this in as an example. When Donald Trump and Robert Mueller were really going at it before the Mueller report had come out and, you know, Trump was just I mean, they were just really trading barbs back and forth. Uh, and, and Trump was saying all this stuff about, you know, Mueller's corruption, blah, blah, blah. What did the FBI do? It released a redacted but a fairly complete FBI file that they had on Jeffrey Epstein for no apparent reason. There's no, you know, nothing preceding this. There's nothing. I mean, this was way well before uh, Epstein was had been arrested. You know, this was like over a year before that. Interesting. Uh, they I released that. this FBI file on Epstein. And in there is probably the most comprehensive uh, to date, I mean, now it might be a little bit different, but at the time, it was like the most comprehensive uh, collection of articles that uh, tied Trump to Epstein or that mentioned Trump wow. and Epstein. Interesting. So, you know, I read that as a very overt um, threat from Mueller that, you know, listen, if you want to go, the, if you want to, you know, go the distance, we can go the distance because I've got shit on you that's way worse Um you know, and that maybe the 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 I don't know that that was just sort of a, a way to hey listen, uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a report that you're not nothing is bad is gonna happen to you. You know, Mueller is such a consummate uh, insider, uh, certainly a a card carrying member of the deep state. Uh, he's covered up, you know, nine eleven. Uh, it's just one example, but many many other issues of of mass corruption scandals. Anthrax. Anthrax, murder. I mean, there's so much stuff that 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 Mueller, um, like all 
you know, um, FBI directors. I mean, look at Louis Free. Uh, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Mueller is not going. It was never going to unravel the entire system that he has been a, uh, a you know, you know, a, a defender of. So I think that was just a veiled threat. Like, listen, you need to like pump the brakes because we've got stuff that's way worse. Um, and you know, you did see Trump kind of back down a little bit. So that was just sort of like one instance of of reading a little bit more into you know what's happening. So perhaps we should um, you know be looking. I, I hate this term, but you know the the 3D chess that Nancy Pelosi might actually be playing here. Perhaps this is more of a warning. Um, maybe there is some whistleblower out there that does have real information. Uh, yeah. Maybe there is more to this conversation between uh, Trump and the um, Ukrainian president than meets the eye. You know, we're, we haven't gotten an actual transcript. I believe what we got was, like you said, where these, you know, it was like uh, jotted down recollections of the people that were there for this 30 minute phone call. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I rarely ever put faith in the Democratic Party, but it seems like their confidence seems to imply that they do have some cards that they're holding close to their chest or some kind of smoking gun evidence of some kind. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted something about that they've been investigating this for two months. Now, hmm. if she means impeachment or this specifically, I'm not sure. She may have let slip that there's been some internal looking into this that somehow they've been keeping secret. I'd be surprised if that were the case. But again, there is some kind of disconnect here where I'm not lining it up. I don't understand how based on what we know happened, you know, we don't have the proof that this happened. We just have this weird quasi transcript. We have this with this whistleblower saying, but you know, it's our, we've already seen what happens when you make, you know, really strong accusations against Trump being colluding with foreign governments um, with no smoking gun evidence. We've already seen how politically damaging that could be for the Democratic Party and how much of a waste of time it could be. So would they really be putting themselves through this again without something stronger? That I guess that's the hanging question. Um, well, and, and risking losing the election on top of it. I, I mean, let, let's do what if let's you know, let's just say um this is all true, but they, they don't have a smoking gun or something, or, or they can't get him. They're, they're willing to throw away the election as well. I, again, that, that suggests that maybe there's, um, there's more to this. We should also, though, like point out that um, impeachment is not a legal proceeding. You know, like no one has successfully, like anyone, any, the, anyone that's been impeached, they've never gone to jail, you know? Uh, and you can be impeached in the House, but not the Senate. You can resign like Nixon did after his impeachment. Um, I don't even – Andrew Johnson was impeached, but nothing really actually happened to him. So it's like a political mechanism. It's not like a legal mechanism. It, I mean Bill Clinton was impeached. It re didn't really do anything all that negative um, to his career. And, and in fact, at the end of the day, it, you know, it, uh, um, even Republicans got tired of the impeachment hearings. Um, Bill Clinton became more popular after it. So, you know, impeachment is kind of like a hollow enterprise. Um, I think it sounds good. And, and people think that, um, you know, something uh, that you can be impeached and that that means like you're going to be removed from office. That's not the case. So I don't, maybe 
I wouldn't be surprised if if Pelosi, you know, Schumer and and Adam Schiff and some of these other people are are just sort of banking on the fact that nobody really understands what impeachment is and that it'll just be a good soundbite. But at the same time, yeah, I think they they I would hope that they have something better up their sleeve because otherwise they they might have just given away the uh, election for no reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I'm completely on board with the idea that this will, this will backfire on them and make them lose the election, even if they don't succeed. Like, I still think they will run Trump through the ringer, and there'll just be a lot of negative stories coming out about Trump in general in the election. So, but I, I mean, at the same time, it'll completely take away from actually presenting policy. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe in a way it might actually unburden the Democrats in the election to some degree, the ones who are at least running. You know, I don't know how involved they'll be in this impeachment attempt. Um, but it's clear to me, I guess, on some level that the Democrats are really desperate and don't know what kind of policies to push. And a lot of them are trying to basically copy Bernie Sanders or sort of a democratic socialist platform and they're not, and, but they're like watering it down and they don't, and they're obviously not really behind it. They're just sort of pushing that um, because it's popular right now. So yeah, I wonder if this would, you know, how much this would backfire on them. I mean, I think if Trump was able to counterattack in an effective way um, during some kind of impeachment proceedings, it, it could. And that's, and Trump is, you know, he's learned from Roy Cohen. He, you know, he often does that. I mean, look at how he uh, operated during Russiagate. But this is different in the sense that he's done this apparently while he's been president. Um, he seems to be exhibiting signs of distress or even maybe arguably even cognitive decline in that UN speech from mm -hmm. yesterday. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that, but that was really unsettling for me to watch. You know, I've seen, you know, people talk about Hillary Clinton coughing. Uh, the video of her tripping and falling at the 9-11 memorial before the election. You know, that was distressing yeah. to watch. But I never saw her acting quite this under the weather, you could say, or just weird, where <laughs> saliva is sort of webbing up on either side of Trump's mouth. He's He's saying words that sound like he's making mistakes, but they're mistakes that I can't understand how you can make them unless you're having some kind of cognitive issue. For example, he, he said in his speech, he used the word nations several times, but he actually paused in between the word nation and the plural S at the end. Like who makes that kind of mistake mm. during a speech where they actually pause before pluralizing a word? It's a strange, <laughs> it, it's very unsettling to watch a speech. I recommend everybody watch it. Um, but, on top of this all, Pierce, which is another weird aspect of this that we didn't really get a chance to talk about yesterday because we didn't realize how serious impeachment was going to be. But the fact that 8chan got shut down a month ago and that QAnon is no longer posting because of that, or we don't know, what it, maybe he's posting somewhere and he's just not getting traction. There's a strange timing happening here because we've often talked about this idea that QAnon... And riling up all these boomers, most of them armed uh, and very partisan, that it could act as a fail, some sort of weird fail safe for impeachment. Mm. And by that, I mean, 
you know, armed some kind of armed insurrection to Washington, D.C., as crazy as that sounds. Um, Roger Stone was the one who was going out there saying, and this is actually in the movie Fahrenheit 11.9 by Michael Moore. He said that there will be a spasm of violence in this country if they try to impeach Trump. Now, I believe that to some extent. I go, I waver in that belief, you know, how realistic that would be. But I still think it is possible that people have riled themselves up enough that there could be some kind of riot or something if Trump gets impeached. And I'm wondering if the shutdown of A-Chan had something to do with this impeachment plan. And I know that sounds weird, Pierce, but what are your, what are your thoughts on just all those things kind of coming together timing-wise? Well, the, I mean, the, the timing is extremely interesting uh, that A-Chan was, was brought down – this was, I guess, around August. That's the last time that we know of a, a Q drop. Yeah, um, was in August, um, and obviously, so much has um, you know been happening since August. Many uh, of uh, you know the, these uh, big events are, are seem to be things that are very much in the wheelhouse of QAnon. Jeffrey Epstein, um, the uh, sent you know troops in Saudi Arabia, war with Iran. Uh, this has been talked about by Q before. Um, the, the impeachment stuff, Ukraine. I mean, this is uh, all like uh, ripe uh, territory. The uh, firing for, of Bolton. QAnon. Firing of Bolton. Yeah, exactly. Who was at one point viewed as a you know a good guy in the amongst uh, QAnon followers. So um, it's interesting that Q is is nowhere to be found. I I tend to believe that this is. Um, that whoever is Q or who's running Q operations, you know, um, I would assume that this would be deliberate that they're not posting anything because there must be other ways. I mean, oh, you're right. Certainly, yeah. 4chan exists. I mean, people are obviously still talking about QAnon on, on Facebook groups, on on Reddit, um, the the like YouTube. The, you know, the right wing vote, the right wing Reddit, um, you know, yeah. YouTube certainly. Um, Twitter. So, you know, I, I, maybe that this was always sort of an idea, you know, if this was some sort of like almost like a social experiment, uh, you know, by the CIA or something to can we create a, um, this bizarre conspiracy theory on our own, uh, then seed it out there, have the president become uh, directly involved in pushing it and seeding certain elements and then kind of shut it off. And then like, what will happen? Um, that might be one possibility. But it's 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 bizarre, you know. Part of me can't totally shake off the idea that um, you know that shutting down HN wasn't more uh, of a deliberate action, and certainly um, it, it was a, a something that Democrats seem to be a little bit more in favor of because you know uh, we we had that spate of mass shootings. Um, yes, you know one of them. Uh, I think he you know he was a. a, a avid uh, avid uh, hn user he posted, he posted the manifesto yeah. yeah on i think you're talking about the el paso shooter yes yeah. yes exactly uh so you know um maybe there is something to that uh and that you know without hn i mean it, it that also kind of shows uh and to some extent how pathetic the movement really is that they haven't been able to um you know build something else that we don't you know even like the the usual suspects that have always been pushing the QAnon stuff i i haven't seen them um fully you know saying that like 
you know, oh, Q is here or or this is what Q is talking about or or, or really giving much of an explanation. I mean, you pointed this out that now it, it seems to have shifted to Donald Trump's tweets are actually coded messages from Q. Yeah, uh, which is an, a bizarre development. But but again, now maybe that is is slightly organic and slightly kind of orchestrated. But as a as a social experiment, if it is, I mean, that's very interesting that you can take this uh, this movement and then just sort of like, again, kind of like um, superimpose it over something else, which is, you know, you, you went say you went from like Pizzagate to QAnon to now it's Donald Trump. Um, yeah. So that's that's fascinating, but I do think that it. I don't know. Part of me like can't help but put on a, a tinfoil hat and and think that you know the Democrats were a little bit more deliberate in getting eight chan taken down, and that maybe this is actually going to kind of benefit them because this does seem to be like the the type of material that would make the QAnon people extremely rabid and perhaps even willing to. I mean, we've already seen multiple people uh, take up arms and and go places Absolutely. in the name of QAnon. So. The fact that uh, we're not seeing it right now yet is interesting. Um, and maybe the, the shutting down of 4chan uh, did play a role in that, which, again, is kind of pathetic that you take down one stupid, you know, image board and, and suddenly, you know, the movement dies. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's that is part is a little inexplicable because it moved. It originally moved from 4chan to 8chan. So right. it, it, it didn't always exist on 8chan. I know the boards are very similar, but you would think that it would pop up somewhere else, especially right now when mm. Nancy Pelosi, you know, <laughs> announces Evil he's going to be impeached. I mean, this is the time. This is the time where Q, you know, this is, should be the storm, right? I mean, you would think yes. <laughs> if any time and, you know, Trump's UN speech, for example, I, I already mentioned his cognitive decline and, and the weirdness of the way he acted during that speech. You have to watch it to see what I'm talking about. I am not exaggerating. It is very creepy. The actual content of the speech is even stranger, where it, there are parts of it, Pierce, that seem like it's written by Alex Jones. And I'm not exaggerating. He spends a large part of the speech trying to channel John F. Kennedy's sort of secret society part of one of his speeches about the deep state. Oh, and the globalists. Yeah, the way he talks about the Second Amendment is much more amped up than any like Republican who's ever mentioned it at the UN. I mean, he talks about it in kind of an Alex Jones way. Um, he talks about uh, the social media censorship. And actually, it was interesting. If you just isolate his quotes about social media, um, he doesn't make it. He surprisingly avoided making it sound partisan. And if it was said by any other politician. Under any other circumstance, that the individual section on social media was like actually what he said was good. So there's a weird thing happening here where this UN speech in a weird way was like the most sort of conspiracy bait Alex Jonesy speech he's ever made. And yet Q is nowhere to be found. He's possibly getting impeached now. He seems to be suffering from something. He's cognitively impaired during the speech. This is a strange theory to suggest but if it's possible that q um you know was really loyal to trump before is it possible that this q group or this q poster has abandoned donald trump um you know and not just letting go of this because hn got shut down but has actually decided not to be loyal to donald trump anymore is there a fracturing there happening i, I know that sounds strange to say but otherwise well, why no, aren't we seeing an explosion of or a replacement from somewhere else it's 
I, I would expect there to be something to fill that vacuum immediately and keep that steam going. Well, no, because and look at um, now you and I have we have we've uh, toyed around with this idea multiple times um, on on our own shows that end together as well. The the idea that like the Q thing is is being run maybe out of the White House and that, there, you know, not necessarily that Donald Trump was fully aware at first, but that, you know, somebody, maybe Roger Stone, um, you know, uh, you, we, we, you, you've posited the idea Miller or Steve Bannon. Miller, exactly, or uh, Pachenik or, you know, uh, maybe even, you know, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Eric Prince or others, you know, totally. people close to him that were put, you know, but I, I remember that when it first happened, um, you know, both of us thought the, the most obvious choice is that, oh, this is just the, the CIA, you know, that this is and there's even like, you know, some evidence to that, that like um, there was like a whole season of Homeland. Um, the, the, the more I think it's the I don't know if it was the last one or the one before that, where there is an Alex Jones character. It is 100 percent Alex Jones. It sounds like Alex Jones. Um, and, you know, he's running. It, it turns out that this, you know, freedom fighter. Uh, against the globalists is actually working for the CIA, and uh, part of his time is at a troll factory, um, you know, somewhere outside of uh, Langley, where they're, you know, doing things not all that dissimilar to what you and I have been talking about. And 4chan even appears in Homeland as well. So, you know, there's this, and I'm not saying that that's like proof positive, but you know, come on, I mean, uh, obviously. Um, you know, the, the people that make Homeland consult extremely closely with the CIA. Um, but beyond that, you know, that seemed to be the most obvious uh, sort of um, fit for it. And again, this idea that perhaps this was some kind of uh, an experiment, you know, that this, this could have, you know, um, you know, even like along the lines of like a, an MK Ultra type thing. There's already a very cult like aspect to QAnon. Uh, there's a lot of undue influence over people that follow QAnon. There is a secret society sort of a, a and cult um, relationship amongst the followers where they they speak in their own language. They redefine words and phrases with it that Q says to mean other things, which is very much a um, you know that that that's something uh, right out of uh, like L. Ron Hubbard's book. Uh, redefine, you know, if you can redefine words for people, you can have complete control over their minds. That was something that Hubbard was obsessed with. You see that with the QAnon stuff. So there is a sort of strange kind of like psychological operation uh, thing going on with the QAnon stuff. And it seems very much like that would be something that the CIA um, would be interested in. Uh, especially they, they've long been obsessed with the conspiracy movement. And, you know, in a lot of ways, we can say that the, the QAnon stuff is sort of like the final nail in the coffin. The yeah. CIA has long uh, want, infiltrated... Um, in terms of government conspiracies. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, but, and the CIA has always... Uh, been extremely weary of uh, the, you know, um, uh, the conspiracy movement's power. You can go all the way back to, you know, the original truthers uh, were, you know, in 1947, 48 with Roswell. Um, you know, it, it's no surprise that the very first, um, you know, UFO groups that sprouted up were immediately co-opted by the CIA. And I believe it was um, the, the second or third director of the CIA um, basically, in a, a sort of a, a, a coup, uh, came to control, uh, I think it's NICAP, which is one of the original ufology groups out there. Um, the CIA also you know, spent millions and millions of dollars disproving um, you know, UFO reports. Um, 
Yeah. Which is sort of odd in and of itself. But why are they spending that much time uh, discrediting people? It continued on until the 1990s. I mean, one of my favorite television shows, uh, Richard D. Haglin, I think his name is, I want to say, the guy from, um, from The Lone Gunman, you know, the guy with the long hair who played the, yes. one of the lone gunmen in the show, um, he's admitted and, and said multiple times that Chris Carter used to basically have like a CIA, unofficial like CIA consultant who would feed ideas to the show, who would show up at cast parties and stuff. And, you know, that's a perfect conduit for sort of injecting whatever. I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't know what the purpose of that was, but it, it seems to serve a similar purpose to what you're talking about where there was all this infiltration into the UFO movement for whatever, you know, God knows what reasons, but they did this. Um, and it continued on, you know, uh, uh, seemingly until the X-Files era when aliens and UFOs made this big cultural comeback. Mm. So why wouldn't they be doing it with QAnon? I mean, it's, yeah, you would think that all these people, you know, that's the weirdest thing to me about these this Pierce is if QAnon is making people wake up and, you know, making people, you know, more savvy and skeptical of official narratives, why aren't they turning inward at the QAnon narrative itself? I mean, like, hey, wait a minute. What if this is a psyop? That to mm -hmm. me is the weirdest part about it. And, and you know what? It's not just boomers. It's not just basic people who believe in this. I've actually had arguments with people my age, people that I know very well in some cases about this. And when I've raised that question with them, they don't, they, they're adamant that it's real, that it's legit. I, it doesn't matter when you tell them, hey, what if this is a PSYOP? What if this is by the CIA? <laughs> they, they are so committed to the narrative that they can't even see it. And I find that strange because even the UFO movement people are at least able to acknowledge, yeah, you know, this guy might be, you know, putting out disinfo. He might be a CIA plant. You know, it's because it's like well, well known. They're at this more point. willing because they they've experienced that through. I mean, uh, uh, people can check out like um, it's not the greatest documentary, but Mirage Men. It's all about Richard Doty, who was an Air Force intelligence officer whose sole job was to infiltrate the uh, ufology movement and basically give fake information, which eventually led to um, a prominent uh, UFO uh, researcher committing suicide. You know that was Doty's whole whole scheme. Um, you know, so it it the, you know it, it's why wouldn't they be doing that with the QAnon stuff? I, I wonder, Robbie. The um, maybe again, maybe this that this was always sort of a, a, a CIA psyop, and that that you know that's why they, they've shut it down. Maybe it's benefiting um, whatever faction within the CIA that despises Trump to kind of uh, remove QAnon all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, yeah. who cares about impeachment or all these other things? You know, look, he, he, Q has betrayed us all. You know, maybe that plays better. Yeah, and not just that, but it's also helps smoke people out. So, for example, Matt Getz, one of these weird Republican uh, he, senators yeah. or congressmen who actually, congressman. actually is a Q believer and Q pusher, maybe it was meant, you know, if this was some kind of CIA operation or an overall sort of intelligence op, it could have been to have two stages, one to remove Trump's power, but also to boost it on some weird way to be able to smoke out all these people who are like willing to get really dirty to play ball, to, to go to bat for Trump. Mm. If there is some kind of deep state turf war like we've been talking about happening, 
this helps identify the people that Trump has in his back pocket who are the most loyal and most dirty, the people willing to like support and get in bed with the QAnon narrative. So I don't know. I mean, that's just pure speculation. And I just want to say for the record um, that we're not, me and Pierce are not suggesting that the El Paso shooting was a false flag or staged in any way. No. We're just suggesting that the timing of the shutting down of HN might have been having something to do with the upcoming you know, potential impeachment of Donald Trump. Although that might be completely wacky, too, because you know it's not clear why HN was shut down. One of the co-founders says that the El Paso shooting was like too much for him and that's why he shut it down. So it could have it could be completely coincidental, but the timing is interesting because it it does take away a significant amount of Trump's potential power and sort of a fail, you know, a kill switch, fail safe whatever you want to call it against impeachment. But unfortunately we have to wrap up now Pierce, but I wanted you to just give the final word on where you think this is going to go. If you think people should actually be hopeful about this, about impeachment, and additionally, if you think Trump should be impeached, but perhaps, you know, is this the right reason to impeach him? I mean, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I I would uh, caution the listeners, uh, you know, those that that might think that this is, uh, I don't know, an answer or something. I would caution against that. Like I said, impeachment is is really not so much of a legal proceeding as it is a political proceeding. It doesn't have a lot of, you know, it, it just because someone gets impeached doesn't mean that anything uh, is really going to happen. There's, I don't know that 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 necessarily what they're talking about is is going to be enough to impeach him. Uh, truly, uh, again, they might be kind of waiting to see. Um, and and I, I think maybe on some level, listen, you get the impeachment stuff rolling, you start with this, and then you can uncover other stuff, which I'm sure is what they they were hoping to do with Bill Clinton. Um, so that might be sort of what we're what, what we're seeing, um, you know, with that. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I just I, I I wouldn't really put too much stock in this. I think it it that um, even if he is impeached, I don't know that that's really going to mean much. Um, you know, beyond him, he'll just be impeached. Also, I mean, who knows what will happen between uh, now and, uh, you know, in a few months. I mean, we've we've uh, we've touched on it a, a few times, but I mean, the, uh, you know, troops being moved to Saudi Arabia, um, the supposed assassination of uh, Hamza bin Laden. Um, you know, there's a weird kind of like yeah, war I on talked terror, about that, yeah. you know, I don't know, resurgence or something is going on with all of that. And did you see that? Not- I just want to interject. Really good. Did you see the interview with Zawahiri's brother? That was like no, on I CNN didn't. or something. Was, that was really strange. But go ahead. Sorry, continue. Well, no, just the, I mean, I mean, quickly on all of that. I mean, uh, Hamza bin Laden it was supposedly killed, uh, you know, by the U.S. in an operation in the Af- uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan region. They're not even saying where it was. Um, there's really not a lot of evidence that it's actually happened. Um, you know, so, but you've got that happening just after that was September 14th, only a few days after the anniversary of 9-11. Again, the the troops moving to Saudi Arabia, um, which actually began much earlier. Um, that actually was happening in June very quietly. Uh, but now they've, they've sort of, um, yeah. So, you know, and again, that was one of the long held, um, you know, grievances that Al Qaeda had. Uh, were were troops uh, stationed in Saudi Arabia? So there's something strange going on with that. 
there's a lot of geopolitical um, battles that Trump can exploit if he needs to. Hong Kong, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Uh, he talked in his UN speech about Nicaragua and Cuba. So there's lots of um, distractions that he can use. Um, you know, and it, it's sort of like if, you know, God forbid, we do go to war. Uh, are the Democrats really going to continue impeachment proceeding? You know, because they're all going to vote to go to war, <laughs> you know, or, or support it rhetorically, at least. Um, so are they going to support Donald Trump while he bombs the shit out of Iran and also impeach him? Um, beyond that, I don't know that um, d if the Democrats truly want to open the door to impeach Trump on what they are uh, alleging, because, you know, it's one thing if, if Bill Clinton is uh, sleeping with his intern, um, you know, that is something that is just, you know, you, you, it's hard to kind of like spin that or, or that's an easy thing to kind of take them on. Donald Trump um, asking a foreign leader to go after an enemy, they all fucking do that. So do they really want to open that door in much the same way that, you know, what if what if if what Trump was saying is true? Yeah. Um, do they want to open the door that, well, why was Trump asking that? Because Hunter Biden was making a million dollars a year at some energy company in yeah. Ukraine. Do they really want to, you know, how did he get that job? So I think that's a can of worms they might be unwilling to, to open. So again, we'll kind of have to see exactly where they go with, with, with this supposed impeachment here. But um, yeah, so I would just sort of, um, you know, maybe a little bit of caution uh, when it comes to all of this. I think that's wise. Um, I think caution, uh, stay calm. Don't get too excited. You know, even if this is your dream come true to see Trump leave. Oh, and, and great. So we get Pence. Yeah. I mean, don't get your hopes up. And we've seen the Democrats severely fuck this up before. I, I, I still don't understand where their confidence is coming from. So that's what the only thing that gives me some hope that this is something strong but otherwise, I can't trust anything that they do. So we'll just have to wait and see. I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, what Joe Biden's son, the hookup he got is clearly there's a scandal there. And it's also funny that the media is disingenuously acting like there's not when they reported on the scandal when it broke two years ago, three years ago. I have a clip in a very heavy agenda of Tapper from CNN talking about how much scandalous this was in like 2015. Yeah, this this could backfire on Biden. Maybe they've already agreed to take that risk. It's it's hard to tell. But thank you so much for coming on Media Roots Radio, Pierce. Everybody check out Pierce's own show, Porkins Policy Radio. If you're a fan of Media Roots Radio, you would also very much enjoy Porkins Policy. A lot of similar topics, paradigms discussed. And where can people listen to P Porkins Policy Radio and follow you on social media, Pierce? Uh, they can um, well. They can listen live every Tuesday from three to five Eastern at ocelli.com. and you can also find uh, all of my shows and all of the interviews. Everything I do is at PorkinsPolicyReview.com. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at PorkinsPolicy, and uh, I do have a Patreon as well. So if you want to uh, support me, it's just Patreon.com/slash/PierceRedman, and uh, for a dollar a month, you get access to my bonus podcast as well. Awesome. Yeah, everybody check out Pierce's work. He's one of the good ones. One of my favorite <laughs> guests on the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Media Roots Radio. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com 
slash Media Roots Radio. We just added a new $30 tier, which includes a free download code for my documentary film, A Very Heavy Agenda, and Abby's new documentary film, Gaza Fights for Freedom. Thanks very much.